As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford-Berry. Welcome back, ladies of the 29 Minute Mom podcast. So excited to have you back again this week. And I'm going to have a really informative show coming up that is all about Amazon and how we think that Amazon is, you know, maybe our best friend because it's so easy to click that button and get what we want at our doorstep. But there's some lurking information behind the scenes about Amazon that we need to know as busy moms. But first, I want to read one of my new reviews from the podcast from Jen F. And she says, I love this podcast. As a mom of three young littles, I'm always looking for ways to save time and organize. Her tips are so helpful. And I've listened to many of the episodes more than once. So I just want to give a huge shout out to Jen F and say, thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to leave me a review. Those are the things that keep me going. So I appreciate you so, so much. Thank you. So welcome to the show, Rachel Johnson. I'm so excited to have you. You are actually a formal pro former program manager from Amazon. And yep. we are excited to have you tell us all the inside scoop about Amazon today. So welcome to the 29 Minute Mom. Thank you for having me. Really great to be here. Yes. So, you know, I have just told you off camera that I'm kind of having a love-hate relationship with Amazon lately, and I want you to clarify some things for me today. <laughs> so um, I, Absolutely. first of all, tell us how you, you know, how was it when you were working for Amazon? how did you get into that um, business? And, you know, just a little bit about your background. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually was, um, in Europe and in Singapore working different things. And I was like, ah, it's time to come back home. So this was back in you know 2007 and was looking for different jobs and got a temp job. And it, you know, obviously as all temp jobs are not very exciting. And I saw a posting to be a German speaking investigator at Amazon. And I was like, oh, I can actually use my language skill. You know, everyone who's like, don't do liberal arts. You won't be able to get a job. And I was like, hmm, maybe I can get a job with my liberal arts degree. And that's actually how I started out at Amazon was working um, on the German website, uh, doing investigations of potentially fraudulent orders and so on. So at the time, you know, Amazon was just one other local company here in Seattle. And I grew up here. So when I came home, I was like, hmm, where do I want to work? And like Amazon sounds interesting. And now, of course, it's like, you know, this global player that's super huge and people move to Seattle to work there where I was, I was just like, oh, this is so convenient to where my new apartment is. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very, a very different time back when people could say, hey, I know this person at Amazon. Do you know them? And I could actually say, yeah, I've talked to them before. Whereas yeah. now I'm like, why, why are you asking me that? There's so many people who work at Amazon now. <laughs> right, right. So how long did you work there? 
I was there for eight years, okay. so 2007 to 2015, and then I actually went back after uh, about a year and a half doing consulting and was like, you know, I love my job there. I'll, I'll go back. I'll, I'll try it. And it was like, no, I can't do corporate anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, once you work for uh, Went back to working for myself. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine how much growth you saw during that those years that you just mentioned. I mean, it's not even the same business. I, I'm thinking about Amazon when I used to, like what Amazon meant to me before was basically a place to sell my books. And, you know, and now it's like, a convenience that we can't live without. <laughs> so, um, but I have seen major changes and I think that, you know, sometimes the bigger you get, the worse it gets. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say as far as what did you see change over the years for the better and for the worse? Yeah, that's, that's such a, a challenging question, the, the better and the worse, because both things happened at the same time. So the mm -hmm. size made some things better and made other things worse. So when I first started working in product safety at Amazon, which was um, around March of 2010, I was the only person responsible for all recalls and product safety for North America. Um, and by that point, like, you know, Amazon was, was quite large. Um, and so, you know, that was a lot for one person to manage. And that was the, the whole job was just to make sure anything that was recalled would, would be taken down. Anything that customers complained about would be taken down. And that was it. So there wasn't any sort of proactive research about anything. Um, one of the kind of more mind-boggling moments for me was I was looking at some of the, the products that, that I'd gotten some complaints on from our legal department, and one of them was a circumcision kit. You could literally buy a kit to circumcise a child on Amazon, and the listing said, only for medical use or licensed grab or whatever like that, and I'm like, but anyone can buy it. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So that's like that when we first started, like that's literally where we were at in, in 2010 when I first started in that department was anybody could list or sell pretty much anything on Amazon. Um, and the only exceptions were at that time, um, things that were literally illegal uh, in books and media. So they hadn't really done any sort of product safety type stuff. Uh, I remember they were really good at taking down porn. <laughs> so that was like, you know, they started, out, they started out in books and, and media. And so that was really the only thing that they'd built out by that point was taking down, you know, porn. That was it. And so, you know, starting from that point to where I was looking at different things that we were doing and, you know, people were buying from Amazon because they believed that Amazon was reviewing things the same way that you would expect that to happen in a brick and mortar store. And it just isn't the case. Um, the way that Amazon was working at that time was to order from, you know, whoever they could order from, whoever that might have been, and put it up for sale. And unless they were actually the ones who were importing it, they didn't actually look at any of the documentation on that. So it could have been gray market, it could have been um, unsafe, who knows. It, you know, you didn't know. They, they were just buying stuff from wherever they could. At the time, Amazon was, was smaller and still making a lot of money but all the buyers were like, hey, look, I just got this product, great. And like unknown provenance, whatever, we'll just sell it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it was really problematic. There were a lot of things that were going up that shouldn't, weight loss pills that had illegal pharmaceuticals in them, um, wow. lots of like men's libido pills that actually had Viagra in it, that sort of thing, which is obviously problematic because if you don't know that it's got Viagra and you think it's just some, you know, Chinese herbal remedy or something, you won't realize that could affect your heart. Like people can get really, really um, sick if, if they take something that's not actually 
um, you know, like all the ingredients aren't displayed and so on. So they don't know what it could be interacting with and so on. So that was at the beginning, you know, and so there's obviously a really big problem there, which is no oversight whatsoever. And then go to 2015, which was the last year that I worked in product safety, and they had started looking at stuff that was in the marketplace, like up until um, probably 2014 or so, they weren't looking at anything on marketplace. It was only something that was imported and maybe a little bit if they were selling from amazon.com. And as a consumer, it's really hard to tell which thing is marketplace and which thing is not. So the only way you can tell on the page is if on the right-hand side, there's a little thing that says ships and sold by. And if it says sold by Amazon and ships and sold by Amazon, then it was from Amazon and it, they, they held legal responsibility for it. You could sue them if something went wrong, like the usual relationship that you'd have. Oh, with them. I did not know that. Yeah, so then if it wasn't from them, if it was marketplace and it just had like some random person's name on it, cause it was some random seller. If anything went wrong, you were supposed to sue the seller. And who knows who the seller was? <laughs> so, and so a lot of people had no idea. They were just buying on Amazon. They thought it was from Amazon. They trusted it because they thought that it was trustworthy. But Amazon actually had a policy at that time and still does actually, that the stuff that's sold by sellers, they are not legally responsible for. And so if you're buying from sellers, it's very much buyer beware. And so I actually buy a ton of stuff on Amazon. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a frequent shopper, if you will, mm -hmm. but I'm really careful who I buy from. So I make sure if I'm buying from a small seller, I'm going to go look and see if they've got a website. I'm going to see what their about us is. I'm, I'm going to go look because I'm like, are you a real person who is actually doing a good thing or are you just selling me crap? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is very good to know already. So what, is it still like that today? Yeah, it absolutely is. And it was partly because um, there's some things that are actually pretty safe to buy-ish um, like cribs. Cribs are safe now, whereas even a couple of years ago, I would have been like, no, only buy from Amazon from a, a brand name, like being really careful about that. Now they actually check the documents and all the cribs, um, which only started a couple of years ago, okay. um, which is just crazy to me. Like like that long, people could just list whatever, list whatever car seats they wanted to list, whatever. Like it, it's, it's crazy. Um, but now what I look for is really is the product labeled correctly? Is it something where if you can't even bother to label it right, you probably haven't done other things right either. <laughs> so right. It's a really basic one. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I, I told folks, number one thing I look for is if it comes and all it has is a barcode label and that's it, I send it back. There is no way I'm using that. If it's not even like labeled for sale legally in the US, I don't want to use it. What else did they, you know, cheap out on? If yeah. they can't even bother to label it right. <laughs> yeah. So it, the thing that's frustrating for me as a consumer lately, and I have a perfect example, is I ordered a bike and it looked, you know, so adorable. It had no mention of where it was coming from. I assumed it was coming from Amazon. And I, the bike came and it was, first of all, in a box and parts. And my husband went to put it together and said, there's no way you're riding this bike. It is a complete piece of junk. It was all in Chinese writing. So you couldn't even read anything. I mean, it's literally on the bike was Chinese writing. And so when um, I went to complain about it, you know, they want you to ship this bike back to China. Yeah. Yep. And I didn't know that it was even coming from China. I mean, and, yeah. and the part that blows my mind is how does it get here so fast? <laughs> yeah, they're actually able to do like, depending on how they've set up their shipping, they can get stuff here really quickly just using the regular postal service, which is 
like mind boggling to me, um, but also their pricing is so cheap. They can often sometimes just use UPS or FedEx because their, their costs are so cheap in China. The way that you can tell it's coming from China is you go to the ships and sold by section on the right hand side, it's super small. It's just a little, um, you know, tiny little hyperlink. Yeah, um, so, <laughs> yeah like you do, it's so <laughs> tiny, it's so hard to see. So you have ships and then sold by, and then you click on the company that's actually selling it. And on that page, Amazon actually says where they're from. And so if you click on that and it clearly says like Shenzhen or Shanghai or something like that, well, it's probably coming from China. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. maybe choose something else. So um, when it comes directly from Amazon, does that mean that, what does that mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that it's made and shipped and sold here, right? Correct. Still be yeah. country. So how do you it, know? It could, yep. Like if it's, if it says Amazon, how do we know where it's being made and where it's being shipped from? So you have two different options when you're buying on Amazon. You have the one that's shipped by Amazon that has the prime badge and it's like fulfilled by Amazon and all that. And the other one is like what happened with your bike where it was clearly just shipping directly from some seller overseas. Mm -hmm. And so that one is where you have the ships and sold by. So if it's actually shipping from some seller, it'll say ships by seller, whatever, and sold by seller, whatever. Okay. And then if it, it's shipped by Amazon, it'll say sold by seller, whatever, shipped by Amazon. So then you know, okay, somebody made the effort to bring in product to the US and then send it to an Amazon warehouse. That's all that means. It doesn't mean that Amazon checked it. It doesn't mean that it's safe. All that it means is that somebody's using Amazon's warehouses. That's it. Okay. So a lot of people have this idea that if it comes in an Amazon box, somebody must've looked at it. Not at all, <laughs> not even a thing. So and even so when it's coming from look. Amazon does not mean that they checked it. Correct. Yeah. You still want to look at the, um, the seller name and if it's, and it's so hard in some categories because Amazon tried to get a lot of these direct to factory folks a few years back because their idea was, oh, if we go direct to factory, we can make it super cheap and then consumers will love it because it's super cheap. Won't they love that? <laughs> Without thinking about the fact that you don't want your instructions in Chinese, right? Uh, we don't speak Chinese. How are we supposed to use that? Yeah. You don't want it to be tested to Chinese standards. You want it to be whatever is legal here. That's, that's why we live here. You know, we get mm -hmm. to decide for what we want here. Mm -hmm. So they, they did this because they thought that consumers preferred cheap selection over anything else. And so I think it's something like 49% of the sellers on Amazon are now actually from mainland China. They're actually from China. Wow. And so, you know, if you're searching for stuff, sometimes it can be really hard to find something that's not actually coming from China. Yeah. Um, and that, that's super frustrating. If you're trying to buy something for your kids, like I don't want it to be made in China unless there's some sort of documentation that I can see, like a lot of Carter stuff, for example, is made in China. Hmm. But I know that Carter's has actually done all the work to make sure that it's safe. Not everything made in China is unsafe, but Carter's is a big U.S. brand where you can sue them if something goes wrong. Whereas if it's some random, like my favorite of the, the random brands that the Chinese factories do, they'll do like a brand that's like JGZ00P and that's their <laughs> brand name. Like don't ever buy from those brands. <laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> Don't do that. So is it, speaking of warehouses, Rachel, is it true that a lot of the returns that go back to the warehouse are just put into the landfills or not even resold? Is that actually true? Yeah, that's actually something that does happen. So if you send something back and it doesn't go back into sellable inventory is what it's called. It can only go back into sellable inventory if it's basically intact. So if the packaging is exactly the same. So if you got it and you like ripped open the package and you're like, ugh, I don't like it. I'm going to put it in a new bag and send it back. They can't resell that. 
And so they'll put it onto pallets for resale, like at Dollar General stripe, stripe stores, like not actually Dollar oh. General, but like, like they'll put it on pallets for people to buy, but not all of those get sold. And so if for whatever reason, those, those returns pallets don't get sold within a certain period of time, then they just get rid of it. Okay. Some, some of it does go to like, you know, some random, you know, <laughs> warehouse right. somewhere, but, but not all of it. A yeah. lot of it will just be like, and garbage. Yeah. And what's going on with that subscription button? That drives me nuts. It seems very sketchy. You're thinking you're buying one of something and it automatically defaults. Yeah, and they default to the subscription. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like that Amazon. That's a little sneaky. Oh, it's totally sneaky. And it's funny because I actually like subscriptions for myself because sometimes I forget to like restock my vitamins or I forget to restock, you know, like I have the, like, these gummy multivitamins and they just show up every month, which is great. <laughs> Um, but then I realized I had three in the cupboard and I was like, oh, I should put that on pause. <laughs> so it can be convenient, but it can also be, uh, yeah, and then you miss the, miss the point. But I do think it's kind of sneaky to make that the default. Like yeah. they know that when people do that, they forget the next time. So then here yeah. comes that second one and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not appreciating that. What else do we need to know that's going on behind the scenes so that we are not only not getting ripped off, but we're also making sure that we're purchasing safe products for our family. I think that the main thing with purchasing safe products is just to know that just because it's for sale in the U.S. doesn't mean that whoever was handling the import actually was reviewing it. So for example, the two agencies that are responsible for making sure safe stuff is imported are Customs and Border Patrol and the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Now that obviously if it's like food or something else and that's Food and Drug Administration, each of the administrations have their own thing. But most things like toys or clothes or um, furniture for your kid or whatever, that's going to be under CPSC's jurisdiction. And the problem is the commission has, I think two employees to cover all of Port of Seattle. That includes the actual port of Seattle, the Port of Tacoma and SeaTac Airport. And they're supposed to cover every single consumer good that comes in through those three venues imported into the US. Yeah, right. I'm like, no, no one has, <laughs> you can't do that. You know, yeah. there's no way they have enough staff for that. So what ends up happening is they catch a few things that come through that, that aren't meeting US law, but a bunch of it goes right through. So that's the first thing. People just don't realize how easy it is to get illegal products through the borders because there's just not enough employees. Like they just don't have enough people to check all this stuff. Right. And then are they trying that, to rectify that? Or and there's not enough, to... there's not enough funding for them. Like, okay. so there was a law that passed 14 years ago or so when, when um, uh, George W. Bush was president and it was a bipartisan bill um, passed and he, he passed into law. And then president Obama was the one who actually was overseeing implementing it. And it doubled the size of the agency from like 200 employees to about 500. And everyone was like, look at how much money we put into this. Look at that. There's 500 employees now. And it's like, great. So we went from one person looking at everything in, you know, Port of Seattle to two. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> like, it's still not very helpful. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, you catch twice as much. Okay, cool. So we, we went from catching maybe one or 2% of the problem to three or 4%. Mm -hmm. Woohoo, great. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if there's any plan to fix that. I mean, I don't think Congress yeah. is really cooperating on much of anything these days. Yeah. So it feels like that's probably not going to get fixed anytime soon. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I feel like, I feel like this law was one of the last like really bipartisan initiatives that even happened, you know, that's like 14 years ago now. Yeah. So I don't think that there's going to be more funding for these agencies who are trying to do their jobs and trying to help, you know, the citizens of this country and they can't. Mm -hmm. 
So that means that we have to pay attention to it, you know, and a lot of people just don't realize that so many illegal or unsafe things can be sold on Amazon even now. One of my favorite like horrid story examples was uh, a client that we ended up firing because we don't want to work with these kind of people. But he came to us um, and said, hey, so Amazon shut down my listing because a customer said that the child, um, the baby that she was using, it was a pacifier clip. And so you clip it to the baby's clothes, right? And they put right. it so that you don't drop it. And, you know, having had two kids, yes, it's very helpful to have a pacifier clip. So the right. pacifier doesn't fall under the couch or get covered in, you know, crud. And, and the kid's you like, no, <laughs> I'm going to put that dirty thing right back in my mouth. Yeah. So, you know, having a pacifier clip is really helpful. Well, this particular one fell apart and the baby put all the pieces in their mouth because that's what babies do. They just, you know, they put everything, they mouth everything. They, they, they explore the world through their mouth and started choking on the pieces of plastic. The customer wrote a review and said, this could have killed my kid. I was in the room, so I saw it. So I bent her over and smacked her back and she coughed out the plastic pieces, but this could have killed my kid. And so Amazon was investigating it, right? Because Amazon's policy is to investigate complaints, not review it before it goes up for sale. Right. So somebody right. has to so have an injury late. first. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There has to be an injury yeah. before they'll investigate. And here's the, here's the rub. This is the part where I was just like, livid and this is part of the reason why I wrote my book was because people aren't paying attention to these details Amazon requested paperwork from him we said okay here's the correct way to do it we'll take it to the lab say the lab says we got it tested we got proof from the lab that it failed it was not a passing product it was going to break it was going to hurt some other kid and the owner of the business said I can't recall this there's 8,000 units or something at Amazon and I can't afford that it'll make me go bankrupt so we we'd said rather, we'd rather okay. risk the fact that children can choke right well I mean wow. they're not his kids right yeah exactly yeah. but yeah. still and, and so he was he, we were like but it's illegal you can't just keep selling this and he was like well I'm just going to go to the to the factory and we're going to get a passing sample and at that point I was like well then we're no longer working together mm -hmm. and I started watching the page each day to see if it worked and about a week and a half or so later it did he had gone to the factory. They had produced a product that could pass, sent that to a lab. It wasn't a representative sample of what he actually had at Amazon. They got the passing product um, in a test report and sent that test report to Amazon. So all of the thousands of units that were actually at Amazon weren't safe. Like we're going to potentially injure a child mm -hmm. and the report was passing. And so Amazon put it back up for sale. Everything went live again. And yeah, who knows what could yeah. Oh no, I was I was like, no. Did you want to all of our social media? Like tell everybody, tell you know, like oh, I wanted to tell everybody. everyone that it was yeah. unsafe, but they were a client and we had a contract with them. I couldn't say it to anybody. And so I was like, fine, I'll just write a book and explain how this could happen. I can't name names, mm -hmm. but I can say pacifier clip and I can say what the, the situation was, and at least people will be able to do something to protect their kids, you know, and it's just it was so incredibly frustrating. And for him, it would actually have been really easy for a mom to tell that it wasn't a tested product because it didn't have a tracking label on it. So all products for children, which is 13 and under in the US, have to have a label of some sort. Um, it can be any type of label that shows when and where it was made. And so if you're looking at like a, um, you know, a stuffed animal, for example, and it's got a tag on the side, mm -hmm. you'll usually have the usual thing, like the brand name and that it's made of polyester because they're like all made of polyester these mm -hmm. days. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it'll say something like made in China or made in Mexico or wherever else it's made. And then there'll usually be some sort of random string of characters below that that could have something that looks like maybe a date, maybe, or it has like three letters and then some string of numbers or something. And those are tracking labels. So the, the law requires that you put a tracking label on a product so that you can say, this production run was from February of 2019 and it was produced in this factory. And so that's, it was written so that you could recall things. So yeah. if you found that there was a problem with this particular production run, you could tell everyone, hey, people, like, here's the, here's the problem and here's the, the label that you need to look for. And anyone who has this code, throw away your item because it's not safe. That's how the law was written. He didn't have any codes on his product because he hadn't tested it. It wasn't legal to sell. And so if you're a parent, the first thing you should look for on anything you buy for your kids, like see if you've got some weird code on it somewhere. (laughs) And if you can't find it, like you can easily go to the company's website and go to the contact us and say, hey, I have this product. What's the tracking label? And if they can't answer you or they give you some stupid response, return it. You don't need that in your life. (laughs) Nobody needs that. Wow. Tell tell the listeners about your book because I didn't mention that in the beginning. I forgot to, to tell them. Yeah, so my book is called um, No Dead Babies, and that actually came from my team at Amazon. We actually had um, that as a saying that we would say to each other because, you know, when you're working in recalls or product safety, there's always somebody who's saying like, my baby could have died or with recalls, like babies are yeah. actually dying. That's why the item is being recalled because right. it's very, you know, it's, it's, it's a hazard. And so there would be whole days that would go by where there was no potential dead baby. There was no actual dead baby. And we'd be like, yes, no dead babies. High five. (laughs) And that was our, like, it was a good day today. This is great. And, you know, when you have a job like that, where literally you're like, excellent, no, no terrible stories today, nothing to take me down, like such an exhausting job. And actually, um, part of the reason why it was like so mentally challenging is because I got pregnant in 2011 after working in this job for about nine months. And I had actually been trying to to get pregnant and then actually did. And so just like all the baby stuff was just like, oh, it was so heavy. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say heavy, yes. Yeah, there were some days where I was just like, I can't even do this right now and like go take a walk before I could come back. And CPSC had this um, thing, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, they had this um, Flickr account where they would put pictures of products to help parents know, like, here's what the hazard is, here's what happened. And they would like, do a reenactment of what would happen with these cribs because there were a whole bunch of cribs that were getting um, recalled when I was working on this, um, you know, 10 years ago. And they would show a little baby doll like in the position of where the baby had died. And I was like, I don't need to see this first thing in the morning. Not a job for a pregnant mama. No, it's terrible. And so, you know, one of the things that I used to talk to people about, and I just don't think that they understood because if you've been trying to get pregnant and, you know, at the time I was a stepmom to a toddler as well. And if you've been taking care, you know, how vulnerable they are, yeah. like, you know, like they're, they're like, they're, they're not dumb. They're just not very developed and they make a lot of really dumb choices. <laughs> and so you're always trying to be like, okay, how do I protect you little person? Who's going to get into all kinds of, of problems. And I would be in meetings with people and, you know, in the retail side. So I was in, in operations handling compliance. And I'd be talking to people in retail and they're like, oh, well, we really want to add this product line. Or we really want to add this. And I think the selection will be really great for customers. And I'm just like, nobody wants selection that will kill their kid. Right. Nobody. I don't care how cute it is. Nobody wants it. 
right. And that was something that I just don't think they quite like there's certain areas where sure if you want to expand your selection of towels like mm-hmm. whatever a towel isn't going to hurt anybody right and my it might I actually got a cheap towel once that left some dye on my skin well I just you know got back in the shower and rinsed it off right like that's the worst that's going to happen you know mm-hmm. but when it comes to your kid like the worst could be really bad yeah and so the the idea for the book really came out of that like how do you know what all this is if you're a new parent and you now have to learn all this stuff and you're the one who has to protect your kid because the united states product safety system is based on lawsuits that's how our whole system is based if you go to europe they they have a bunch of like preventative measures where you have to prove that the item is safe before it can even be imported they have way more people at the borders than we do because their concept is prevent the harm from happening in the first place. Mm -hmm. They also have a really weak system for lawsuits. And so you can't really sue people if something goes wrong unless it's really, really bad. Here, you can sue anybody for anything. And so that's the idea. Like if something goes wrong, you just sue them and then they're out of business, right? Mm -hmm. But it presupposes that somebody had to get injured in order to to have that lawsuit. And so for me, it's like, I don't wanna be a statistic. I don't want my kid to be the statistic. I want to not have that happen. And um, I was getting questions and, you know, Facebook messages from friends who were like, hey, my mother-in-law got me this gift and I wanted to know if it was safe to use. And I was like, you know, I think that there's a lot of moms out there who are getting gifts or who are like, wow, that's so cute. Should I buy it? (laughs) And, you know, it's it's one of those things that's so funny because, um, you know, I get these Facebook messages from friends who are like, hey, I just saw this really cool thing. Can you tell me what you think of it? And I'm like, okay, well, this is good. This is good, but this is a problem. I could totally see that choking your kid. And they're like, okay, never mind. next. (laughs) And there's a lot of like really cool stuff, like innovative stuff out there. And, uh, you know, there was um, uh, someone I was talking to a few years ago and they're like, you know what you don't have on Amazon? You don't have any loose fitting organic cotton pajamas. And I really feel like that's going to be a great opportunity for me because people love loose fitting organic cotton pajamas. And I was like, you know why there's no loose fitting organic cotton pajamas? And they were like, why is that? Because they're illegal. (laughs) You can't make those. So there's actually, yeah, yeah, you can't actually do that. So you can do tight fitting organic cotton pajamas, or you can do pajamas that have been soaked in um, uh, flame retardant. One or the other, you can't do, you can't do loose pajamas that aren't covered in flame retardant. It's one of those things where the law came about like decades ago, back when people were still smoking inside their homes or, you know, like all kinds of unsafe things. And so the idea was that you didn't want a kid to be wearing something that was very flammable and loose because fire loves air. So if it was loose, then the fire would go on the inside and the child's skin was much more likely to get damaged, you know, burns and all that sort of thing. So the rule was either flame retardant, so it has to move really slowly, like it should burn slowly so you have time to get the clothes off, or it has to fit really tightly so there's no air underneath, like it has to fit like right on the skin so the fire can't get underneath and then burn the child's skin. So there's like all these rules exist because somebody got hurt, right? Right. And as a parent, like so few people know why. So I was like, we need to have a book. (laughs) There needs to be something where you can read about this and learn. That's why there's no loose fitting cotton clothes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like it's it's on purpose. <laughs> awesome. So I'm sure they can get the book on Amazon. Yes, it is on Amazon. I also will have it on Barnes and Noble and on um, on Apple as well. But I do have to say, you know, as a regular Amazon shopper, Amazon makes it easy. Mm. 
<laughs> they're the easiest to get a book up on. That was the first one that I had up because it was so fast. <laughs> and they make it easy to return things, but we do have to be mm -hmm. very careful. And I think this is why I wanted to have you in the show because well, I mean, I learned a lot today that I had no clue about. This is something that you study, you are in every day, you've been in it for years, but the average mom, there's no way we would know these things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I really commend you for getting the word out and making sure that you're educating all of us because who else would do it? We really need to know this, especially with little kids. I mean, even just all the stuff for adults, like the the vitamins and the, the internal products and things like that. So all of it is important to know. And I'm glad that you shared it. And I really encourage moms listening to get the book and read it and educate themselves further. Do you, would you say the books for anybody or it's mostly for people of small children? I would say it's for anybody, probably about the biggest chapter by far the largest chapter is about kids. Okay. Uh, because I think that, you know, they're the most vulnerable population. They can't protect themselves. Um, so you have to protect them uh, for them. But there's, um, you know, things like people who bought hoverboards, for example, just little things like, how do you actually read a label? What does CE even mean? Um, you know, if you're buying something for, you know, like my kid, he loves, like he's got a virtual reality set and he loves like electronic and game stuff. And some parents were like, well, I can only afford the $300 hoverboard. That's the one I'll get. But they right. didn't realize that with lithium ion batteries, I will not even bring a lithium ion battery into my home if it's not certified and if it doesn't cost an arm and a leg because you can't put out those fires like metal fires a, a fire extinguisher doesn't work so it'll just keep burning and that freaks me out yeah <laughs> and so I won't even buy them unless they're they're fully certified I know it's my name brand because like like literally lithium ion batteries there's nothing that freaks me out more than lithium lithium ion batteries and a lot of people just don't know how dangerous they are because no unless you actually have the experience of like at where I was working, we had problems with these lighting on fire in the warehouse or in delivery vans. So our job was to try to prevent that from happening. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, know. It's, it's problematic. But as a consumer, you're like, well, $300 seems like a lot. It must be safe if, if you're spending that much. But actually to be a safe hoverboard when they first came out five or six years ago, the ones that were safe and were certified were closer to $800. And people didn't know, and Amazon allowed sale of the $300, $400 ones, and they would light on fire because they were, they were improperly made. Like if the lithium ion battery cells are too close together, they'll heat up. And then if one combusts, the next one will combust and so on. So depending on how many cells there are, it'll just keep burning. And it can burn to up to a week, depending on how big the battery is. Wow. So it's just like, and these are, it's metal, right? It's, it's a metal battery and you can't put it out with a regular um, fire extinguisher. And so what'll happen is people will have it plugged in and it'll be on their floor, like on carpet or something. And so the lithium ion battery goes on fire and then it'll light the carpet on fire. You get out your fire extinguisher and it just keeps burning. And it's just like, it's terrifying. Yeah. I think we just threw out my son's hoverboard. <laughs> I don't think I want that around anymore, but it really, it didn't work anymore. So we threw it out. Um, but I had it in my house for many years. So that's concerning. And, yeah, and sometimes, and if they're super, super cheap, like the really cheap ones can even explode when they're not even on, um, yeah. just if they're, if they're really badly made. So it's like something like that. I'm like, I'm not buying it unless I can buy the really nice certified one, yeah. <laughs> not even yeah. touching it. <laughs> well, this is so good, Rachel. I really appreciate it. I, I hope that everybody gets your book. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. 
but I think keep up the good work, keeping a voice, you know, for, like you said, the kids, especially that are vulnerable and need protection. We need more people like you out there speaking the truth. So thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you so much for having me. And the more, you know, the more you can, can protect yourself, you know, and if you don't know, <laughs> hopefully have good luck. And that's why we, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want to be relying on luck. We want to, we want to protect ourselves. Right. Right. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening today, if you love the show, make sure you leave us a comment and review. We'll be sure to share it with Rachel and we appreciate you all have a wonderful day. Hey, sweet friend. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed and burned out? If so, I totally get it. As moms, we have so much on our plates. It's not easy to take care of everyone, keep up with your to-do list and find time for ourselves, but it can be done. All you need is a step-by-step plan and a system that works. Plus some extra encouragement and accountability doesn't hurt either. That is why I want to formally invite you to my brand new coaching program, the Created Order Neighborhood. The neighborhood is for women just like you that want to live a life of order, calm, intention, and purpose. I promise you, sister, you are not alone in your overwhelm. All you need to do is to decide to move into our community today, and I will help you find more space, time, energy, and money to live a life of purpose and contentment. Just go to my website, jenniferfordberry.com and look for the Created Order Neighborhood. Hope to see you there.